The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is a WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 817, you're listening to WGNS again on this Friday morning. And uh, this morning we have a political forum on the air and it is for candidates in the Rutherford County School Board race and the two contested races, Zone 7 and Zone 3. And with us we have in Zone 7, Francis Rosellis, And in Zone 3, we have Jason Scales and Caleb Tidwell, both again in studio with us this morning. Now, Previous to the show airing, we ask uh, listeners to email us any questions they have. And then also we'll be taking questions via text message throughout the morning at 615-893-1450. So I guess to start off this morning, um, why don't we just go around and everybody just say something briefly about why you decided to run. And we'll start with Zone 7. Francis, what made you want to start? to this, you know, the idea of running for school board. Well, thank you so much for having this opportunity for me to come and to share to your listeners, especially if they're in the area in black men in a section in uh, Smyrna, which is I will be representing and why I am running. I am running because simply I really do care about education. I believe education is a is a key to opening a lot of opportunities. And if you have a good foundation, that will help our children get better jobs and better opportunities. I am a parent. I have a child in the Blackman High School and one and a three-year-old that was starting high that was starting school when my son will be graduating. So I'm really, really invested in that. Um, one of the reasons mainly that put me into the race it was during the pandemic when I was at home with my little girl. She was five months old at the time, and my son was at home and trying to figure out and navigate the world of how to go back to school. And we made a choice and a decision that we felt that was best and suited for our family. But it turned out to be something that I realized really quickly that some of the decision making that was happening at the school board went really thought out when it came to the household. So it put us in a situation where I had to rearrange my life, become his parent, and um, and I started to listening into the school board and how we're making the decisions and their there was just not real transparency. So I feel that it is time that parents were brought back to the school board and be part of that decision making so that parents are, are included and households are impacted. And so that's really what brought me into the race. All right. Again, that was Francis Rosellas, Zone 7 and uh, Zone 3 now. And I guess we'll start with Caleb Tidwell uh, or Jason. Which one of you wants to go ahead Jason. kick it off as to why you decided to run? Jason Scales? Yeah, Jason Scales. Thank you for the opportunity to be on today. Uh, you know, I'm a parent of a 15-year-old who's a sophomore in high school and uh, married for 19 years, and I pastor a church, so I have at my congregation several um, people that are in all the schools here, and then I have a lot of teachers and administrators and just 
over the years listening to stories and I believe in public education I believe in man, the value of life and just releasing their potential and I think no greater way to do that than through the public education system but there are some challenges I believe that we do have that I'd love to be a part of addressing addressing one of the things is listening to teachers and administrators the, the discipline challenges that they were having and parental involvement and getting them engaged there in schools and just listening to the stories over the years you know it just piqued my heart and just wanted to be a part of being a part of the solution or how we can bridge a gap the community between uh, the schools there and the um, and the parental or not sometimes that are not being raised by parents by their guardians and seeing them engaged to put our children in the best position because they are going to be our leaders in our community and they're going to be the ones that are filling the the spots that we have in leadership and our workforce and all those things like that so i want to see public education just stand up and be what it can be to produce great citizens uh, in our community and that was jason scales zone three and now caleb tidwell zone three why did you decide to run hey my name is caleb tidwell and i am running in zone three uh, I have a long-term vested interest in this. Uh, I have three kids. I got a kindergartner, a first grader, and a third grader. Uh, they're all moving up this year, but we're going to be in the school system for a long time. So I'd like to see uh, a school system that is going to provide great leadership for our kids. It's going to teach them about uh, how life is outside of school, what's going to be best for our community, those values that our community has had for so long. I'm a lifelong Rutherford County resident. And actually I'm a product of the zone that I'm running in. So I went to Kittrell, I went to Oakland and uh, graduated MTSU. So I feel like I understand this area very well, I've lived here a long time. Uh, we just wanna see uh, a positive things going forward. We want this community to continue to thrive. And uh, there are some issues, there are some uh, major concerns uh, and stuff that the school board's going to have to deal with as far as budget, as far as growth, as far as uh, the teacher loss and how we're going to retain those um, those educators. There's lots of uh, things that we're dealing with, and I feel like my background and, and starting a couple of businesses, uh, some of the leadership positions I've held in the community can really be a true asset in that regard. Uh, I think all of us here want to see positive things moving forward, and I think it's going to take someone... Um, that's got some background in that and that, that wants to see that happen move forward um, that that's going to help make the positive change we're looking for again that was jason scales zone three and i don't know if y'all saw our news story a couple days ago about the forum that was coming up but it, it gave those who were listeners the chance to email us questions so i picked out a few of the questions that were actually sent to us and then we're also going to take questions you know by folks texting us throughout the morning um, but a couple of the questions revolved around gender equity and gender issues. And this first one says, how do you feel about students' gender playing a role in middle school or high school sports? And then, you know, a 2021 bill, and I'm sure y'all heard about this, it was in the news, a 2021 bill that was before the House and the Senate in Tennessee suggested that the student's sex at birth should determine if a student plays on the boys or girls team. And then March 2nd of 2021, Governor Bill Lee signed Senate Bill 228 and House Bill 0003, which actually prohibited transgender student athletes from participating in athletics unless they are on the team that is consistent with their gender at birth. Then we heard rumors about the federal government actually pulling money from some schools if they didn't go along with all of this, allowing students to play whatever sport it was based on their gender identity. So how do you feel about all of this? Because 
this is one of those issues that's going to come up again and probably again in the future. Uh, I'll, I'll jump in on that, that one. Uh, I don't feel like that the uh, federal government should be bullying the state government telling it what to do. We're all a uh, bunch of local communities here that uh, and uh, several different counties. I think that what our governor has done for this state is represent, representing the vice of the state correctly. Uh, I don't think it's fair for, for women uh, or ladies, girls who have trained you know, extensively to just go get uh, absolutely whipped in any kind of competition just because of something they have no control over. It doesn't matter how hard they train. If a, a gentleman trains just as much, then he's going to have the advantage. And I don't think that's fair to them. Uh, and I don't think that we should be uh, bowing down to the federal government on that. Anybody else want to chime in on that one? Yeah, I grew up playing sports. Uh, my preference would be that you would stick with how you were, your birth, that fellows would play with fellows and ladies would play with uh, ladies. It's not disrespect or discriminating against anyone. I think you show respect and love for all, but I would prefer to see them uh, continue to be separated just based on how we're built and how we're wired. And I, I, by the way, I'm not a asking any of these questions in any particular order, so sure. they're all going to be totally random. But the next question, do you think more lawsuits will be filed as a result of some of the actions by our past county schools director, Bill Spurlock? And I know there have been talks of upcoming lawsuits, the potential of lawsuits, but do you think there are going to be more problems that we see because of some of his actions over his time as the director of schools? I'm going to jump in. Um, so this is Francis um, in Zone 7, representing uh, Zone 7. Um, <clears throat> I do think there's a possibility that there could be lawsuits based on the um, decisions that Bill Sparlock did in the past when he was the superintendent and that's why i was pretty vocal about the process and by the school board went into hiring a new one one of the things that the school board failed to do is to address the concerns and the issues that there was present in the past superintendent instead of just jumping immediately into the hiring process to really look into the position and look into the duties and responsibilities in where the past um, superintendent fell short what is needed in our current community and to meet the their goals and the concerns that were happening so that we could do a better job of recruiting the right candidate that is for the the right fit for our community thankfully we ended up getting hiring a good candidate because um, during the process of the interview if you watched it Dr. Sullivan came really prepared. He had an advantage of understanding what were the issues, and so he already came there with solutions and a plan of action on how to tackle that. Unfortunately, that did not come because the school board addressed it and required that for the candidates to come and to do that. So um, one thing that, super, that as a board member I plan to do is to make sure that we look at the decisions before we make them, that we fully understand what the decisions are and do research before before we just jump into decisions. All right, again, that was Zone 7, Francis Rosales. And by the way, uh, in Zone 7, we had also asked Cindy Daniel to be here with us as well. So she had the same opportunity as well to be here, but uh, at this point, she's not here. Does anybody else want to answer that question in regards to the fear of more lawsuits or more problems ahead because of any actions that may have been caused by the past current school, well, past schools director bill spurlock no 
I don't, I don't have any more comment on that. Another question here. Do you support additional pay raises for teachers? And then if so, how would you propose this be funded as we continue to grow our system? I'll jump in on that one. Um, so as far as how we do the budget, if we're, if you're going to have teacher raises, which raises, which I think our teachers deserve, especially the way inflation is currently, um, to just, cause they basically took a, a demotion by just keeping it at the same rate or even doing just 3%. But if you're going to have a teacher raises, I think what you need to do is when you formed a budget, you put that in first and then you build off that. You don't just, you can't budget all these other items and then come in the backside and try to add this because we already have an exploding budget and exploding growth and it's only going to get worse. So there, there is a way to do it. You just got to do it the right way. Plus we have, um, Tissa coming, um, uh, this this bill that's come down for this yeah this bill that's come down from general uh governor lee and that's going to help provide a lot of extra funding to the schools here hopefully that'll help with uh, the teacher costs as well uh, but i think you start whenever you are doing your budget for the year you put that in first and then you build on the you build on the back side the rest of the things versus the opposite side you know, I actually agree. Like what, what Caleb said there, I think you make it a priority. Teachers deserve that. Man, I, if you talk to, man, I know a particular teacher is a single parent. She has two children. And for her to pay rent, she's not, she doesn't own a house. Off her salary that she goes work a part-time job, then trying to manage the kids there. Man, it's very tough for them to live on that salary. And for the work they do, I do believe that we should reward them for that. But I think you should make it a priority first based off the other things that you have coming in, in, in your budget. I want to say one more thing to add piggyback on um, what they're saying. I agree with what they both gentlemen have said. But another thing that we need to do is to show th that we respect our teachers, that we support them, not only by just giving them pay raises, but also in helping with recruiting and retention is by show them appreciation. One thing that my husband and I have been doing in the schools in uh, Davidson County, and we're also starting to do in Rutherford County through our nonprofit um, Breakthrough National is that we are literally going to the schools and just providing breakfast for the schools and all of the teachers and saying to them thank you so much for what your work you're doing thank you for pouring into our children and that also gives us an opportunity to understand what issues that they're doing and one particular school gave us the opportunity to hear that um, they the school the teachers were dipping into their pockets and paying for um, detergent because there were kids that were coming that didn't have a means to simply wash their clothes. And so the school had a washer and dryer and the teachers were buying the detergent. And we heard that we are nonprofit was able to subsidize that and say you know what let us help you we're going to provide the detergent and so not only do are we providing the detergent we're also providing clothes for these kids and other necessary means that they have so it's not just, so the money situation is great and i am for that absolutely but also we do need to show a way how we appreciate it because if a little bit of praise i believe goes a long way mm. into help in recruiting and retaining and that's something that's really really missing in our community and that's that's something I want to bring as part of that. Now, Francis, you brought up the need to further support teachers. There was a recent school board meeting that was held where a longtime educator was let go, but yet it seemed like the majority of the school board did not even support her as far as giving her an opportunity just to speak and tell her side of the story. And this all happened over the past couple of weeks, even though the actual event occurred in 2019. 
But the school board itself, they never gave that teacher, that principal, the opportunity to say one word in front of the county school board. How do you feel about that, and how would you have handled that differently if you would have handled it differently? And this uh, question's for everybody, by the way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is a law about tenure teachers and that tenure teachers deserve due process. And the reason why this particular incident, and I will have to say, as a parent, I was there that day, the video and the context it was played, it was hard. It was really hard for me to watch that um, as a parent and watching what had transpired. However, there is a law, like I just mentioned, that there's um, t- um, due process for tenure teachers. And that's the component that was missing out of the whole thing. And I don't think the um, the public is aware of that, that this particular teacher that's been there for a long time, I believe 30 years, three decades into the system, did not get her opportunity in part of that due process. And that's why the board was split. Um, I think there should be a lot more challenge to that decision before they came to the conclusion of dismissing. Um, and also to understand what happened. Why was the child in there in the first place? We heard um, that day certain thing protocols that are supposed to be happening, but we did not see the SRO. The SRO was not at the video. We did not see the, pers- the person that is trained to um, de-escalate and do transporting and restraining was not part of the scene so we need to understand what happened where in the process where the holes that are missing and what led to the decision of, of what the principal and that other teacher did and so if I was there I will have challenge to say what happened we need to understand more and not just beyond the context of the video so that we can get a clear understanding of what happened and to fix that so that other teachers and principals that are tenure are not put in the same predicament and for whatever reason there was no audio heard in any of the videos that were shown to the school board and it just seemed i don't know it didn't seem like it went as it probably should have gone to allow that teacher a voice Uh, do you guys want to comment on that situation at all and how would you have handled it if you were a school board member when that occurred I don't know what all information the school board member was provided. I do want to see due process. I do believe that there were attorneys that have been involved, and this has been an ongoing case since 2019. But I don't know how much could have been discussed publicly like that. But you would have liked to hear both sides uh, of the story. And I think she will be given an appeal process uh, in that equation. But I don't know what all information, so I can't make a full judgment and say I don't know what each school board member was provided, what all went into that decision, and different things like that. But I would love to see due process done in that particular situation. Again, that was Jason Scales right there. And would you like to comment on that situation as well? S- similar to what these guys, these guys have said, uh, due process is absolutely a, a part of it. And we need to make sure that we have information, especially as if we're in if we're a part of making a judgment call. So they're going to talk about whether she has tenure or not. Then we need all the facts in front of us. I think that's only fair to them. It's only fair to us. And uh, we don't want to turn our back on our educators just immediately without having the facts. Again, we don't know everything that was presented to the school board members, and they may have more information than than we have been shared with. Not sure. Um, I'll just say that uh, I have kids in the system. It it looked very rough, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think we can all agree about that. Uh, But as far as the process and whether they deserve it, they absolutely deserve the the process. All right, and we have uh, quite a few more questions here to ask, and we'll get to those in just a second. That was Caleb Tidwell, who uh, just spoke, and we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, some of our questions deal with school zoning. I know that has been an ongoing issue and a hot topic for some parents, I guess, depending on what school they 
wanted their child to go to and then all of a sudden their child's going to a different school so we'll bring that up in just a second time right now 8:36. you're listening to wgns news and we are holding a political forum this morning for the rutherford county school board in the contested seats of zone three and zone seven and we will be right back Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. Whether your friends have scales or feathers, we have the things for them here at Animal City. I think one of the best things at Animal City is our staff. We have a team of dedicated pet lovers and knowledgeable professionals to help you with your pet's needs. When you come see us, don't forget to check out our basement level. We have two full stories of pets and pet supplies. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, go to demasesrestaurants.com Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Hey, uh, you see Tony's face? Yeah, he's using one of them Dollar Shave Club six-blade razors with six stainless steel blades for a close shave. His face is as smooth as a river rack. Smooth as a nice olive oil. Like a bowling ball. Like silk pajamas. Like a seal down at the aquarium. Like a ball of wax. Wax job? Hey, no one said nothing about a wax job, okay? Quit being a wise guy. Dollar Shave Club. For a noticeably smooth shave. Find us in stores and at dollarshaveclub.com. Giving it your all on the court? Make sure you have the right partner by your side. Highlands Leg Cramps Quick Dissolve Tablets. America's number one leg cramp relief solution for over 10 years. No water needed, no stomach upset, just fast, effective relief. Also available in caplets. Highlands Leg Cramps, to healthy competition and beyond. Available at Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS. Claims based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Time right now is 839. Our guests today are running for the seat of Rutherford County School Board, and we have Zone 3 and Zone 7 with us. And Zone 3, Caleb Tidwell and Jason Skells. And Zone 7, Francis Rosells and Cindy Daniel was invited but was or is not here. So again, uh, Francis Rosells and Caleb Tidwell and Jason Skills all in studio with us. And before that last break, I mentioned we're going to ask some questions about school zoning because that has been a fairly big issue. And I know some parents have been, I don't know, irritated, I guess would be a good word, at the change in zoning that started or did it start this past school year or is that zone change starting this upcoming school year? So I'm gonna jump in here because that's part of my platform and why I'm running. Um, so if everyone recalls, I believe in 2019 maybe or 20, anyways, um, my child in my neighborhood, in our neighborhood, 
was rezoned from Sewers Creek to uh, uh, Blackman High School. And then just this past year, at the beginning of uh, January, they were looking into rezoning again. And my neighborhood, again, was impacted by it. Um, It was looking into rezoning our schools from Blackman to Siegel High School. And so the reason why I'm running is because I believe that the board is looking at band-aid temporary solutions, not a long-term solutions. The reason why we're having this problem with the rezone with the rezoning is because we're the fourth largest county here in Tennessee that is growing. This school year in 2022 and 2023, we're looking at adding 2,000 additional students and that growth is not stopping anytime soon. So it we're it's it's a good thing that we're having overpopulation, but is impacting our schools because they're already at or near capacity. And so that is a reason why they were looking into doing the restructure or rezoning. What the reason why in our neighborhood it was a problematic is because Blackman High School literally is down the street from my from my street, and they were telling us that we were going to go to Siegel High School, and that was going to take us even a longer drive just to get there. It just did not make any sense. So I feel what parents are going through because my child has been going through that, and my and it looks like if we don't do something today, it's gonna happen so what i've been doing as a candidate i have been meeting with our county commissioners i've been meeting with some of our candidates the mayor mayors who are running and to address this specifically about the the overpopulation and how we can do that and find solutions i am i'm wanting to partner and to come up with a creative way of how do we slow down the growth so that we can do something for schools where it's in it's just it's it's a longer term and not having to look at rezoning every two years so rezoning it sounds like you would like to take a look at the overall rezoning and see about changing it again in the future well i think what we're doing right now which is a good thing is expanding five high schools and that we're looking at oakland riverdale um laverne smyrna and blackman so that means that we're taking funding and trying to grow the expanding the schools so that's going to give added room the issue that we're running to is like with everything is the funding aspect of it um right now the county commissioners are, are temporary are probably more than likely are going to be approving three schools but that still leaves two schools without funding we need advocates on the school board that are going to press these county commissioners and and to say this problem is happening because we're bringing it bringing in new developments and bringing in new kids so we need to find a solution we can't just be asked and tasked to prioritize the schools that that um that we're going to add the the expansions to because it's not fair to the other ones it's happening across the board so we need to stand firm and go back to the um the county commissioners to work with them to partner with them and hopefully we can also work with the city of smyrna and the city of laverne as well because they're part of that issue as well so that we can find long-term solutions so now headed to caleb tidwell and jason scales where do you guys stand on the new rezoned schools and zoning or rezoning them again in the future you know caleb you want to go that's okay (laughs) Uh, well i was just going to say as far as the the zoning goes um clearly what's been done in the past isn't working if you're having to swap uh high schools every couple of years that's that's not good for the students their friendships their sports teams and all the things that are involved with that so i can understand parents concerns with that but also i can understand the issue with exemptions you can't 
say you want to go out to Rockville High School, which is uh, it's only been here three years, I think, and it's got 2,600 students out there. They already have portables out beside of it. That was clearly a zoning mistake. And so if even if you work, if that's closer, if that's a closer school for you, but it's already packed, they're not going to give you an exemption to go out there. Um, then th- that stuff's going to continue to happen. Uh, a decision that I think is good that's happened of late, at least they're considering it, is having a professional group come in and do the rezoning uh, yes. specifically for the schools. I think that's going to be a positive thing moving forward, and it's going to allow them to kind of better plan for the future. So we're not stopping the growth, and we don't want to you know, send all of our students to, the, for this example, Rockville High School, send them all to Rockville High School, overcrowd it, and then turn around and be like, oh, it's overcrowded. Now we got to move these students back over here. Well, the growth will continue. So I think we need to look kind of further out if we want to get to some consistency in the zoning. Yeah, and this is Jason. You know, I think you got to look at best practices. We were directly impacted by this current rezoning. Uh, we're at Rockville High School, and we moved to a neighborhood just this year for our son to go there. That's where he wanted to go to school. Then you're going to send us back to Riverdale. We didn't want to go there. Nothing against Riverdale. I love to see the upgrades they're doing there. But you can't create a sense of community and ownership when you're shipping kids around three high schools in four years. I think you got to begin to look. I think even when you you built a new school, you built Rockville, you can't open up that school full. You got to let the growth around it take care of itself. But I think hiring professionals, people who have uh, have experience in doing this, look at there's got to be other cities around us that have experienced or counties that experience this. And you got to manage this better so that going in the future, if we're going to continue to grow, we're not in this same situation again. No, I, I know you said nothing against Riverdale, but at some point we got to look at the schools as individual schools and sure. say, well, have there been more problems at this school versus this school? And I know, for example, my son graduated from Riverdale High School a number of years back, and there were more problems at Riverdale when it came to things like school fights versus, for example, Rockville, which wasn't open when he graduated, but there are less fights at Rockville when compared to, for example, again, Riverdale. So at some point, parents, I'm sure they look at individual schools in deciding to say, I want to move out of this area and I want to be zoned for XYZ school because I've heard of problems at this school. Yeah, absolutely. But I believe people are people. My son goes to Rockville and there was just as many fights. And just to be honest, there are drugs there at that school. There are same challenges I believe that you have at every school. You're going to deal with these wherever you go. And I think people have a preference where they would prefer to go. But people are going to be people at every school. I think certain schools, just to be honest, they may get a certain knock because there are certain things that are more visible. But there are challenges. It may be not be the same challenge, but you're going to have a challenge at every school that you go to. It's just a matter, I guess, maybe pick your poison. And I will say it is a different principle there and has been since my son was at that school at Riverdale. So I know changes are made as we progress, and I'm sure changes will continue to be made. Uh, But another issue that we are hearing some parents talk about a lot uh, deals with that issue of school bullying and problems within all the schools, having fights, having issues of kids being bullied online. As a school board, what can be done about school bullying issues? Well, one thing that I, this is Francis here um, from Zone 7 again. Um, One thing that I believe is part of the issues why we're having a low turn um, issues with um, turnovers with our teachers is because we're not addressing the behavioral problems um, in like bullying and fights and things of that nature. So I'm going to be a little transparent and talk about a personal story of mine. So I am... uh, 
I came here from Puerto Rico. I speak a second language, and I was nine years old when I started the public school system. By the time I got in seventh grade, I was heavily bullied. I was called names. Um, it was just it was just not a very good time for me in in middle in seventh grade and in and in high school. So I understand the impact and the effects of what bullying does to a child, and especially someone that is a little bit different. Um, so this is something that's dear to my heart. When we're dealing with bullying and fighting, I think that one think we should look into what other alternate options are if there's a child in a um that is disrespectful and not minding authority then maybe we need to look at options of sending them to a virtual provided them the means to go to school by virtual schooling i think that we need to also bring parents to the table and talk to them and say this is a reason why we believe that is a better choice for your child it will still be educated but it'll be in um, virtual learning here's a computer this is a way to hop on the internet and then it'll be your responsibility for your child to get on the computer and making sure that he addresses that. So we're, it's not always left to the school. I feel that the, some of the issues occurs is because the parenting is done the at the school and teachers are not babysitters. We need to parents, we need to come in and kind of joint partner with them and show that support that we're also going to handle those behaviors at home as well. Yeah. So that's an alternative option that we can handle with that. And this is Jason. I think the culture of each school is set by the administration and those teachers. But I think there has to be support uh, by the parents. There has to be a community that comes together so the educators can do their job and educate and not just sit there and break up fights and do certain things like that. And I think you got to address those issues by both coming to the table when you have those uh, this is how this is what's going to go on in the school if this these rules are not followed here's xyz repercussions but there has to be a community to support between both teachers uh educators and parents in addressing this uh bullying issue that we have here yeah and this is caleb um i agree with uh both of what they said i think the teachers got to know that we have their backs if if they feel like they're in this battle alone then they're just going to get wore down they're, they shouldn't be playing social worker and educator in the classroom that's that's not their job and then you're going to have a couple of students are going to take away the time uh because the teacher has to manage these students uh, from the other students that are actually following the rules, the ones that are paying attention, the ones that are trying to do their best. Uh, we need to make sure that they have the support that they need, and that's from the administrative level all the way up to the uh, board level. Uh, one of the things is, you know, I I've heard from different high school principals that I've spoke, uh, sat down and spoke with that we've expanded, the schools have grown, um, we've, and we, we've expanded these schools, but as far as like our alternative schools, they have a 60-day program. We'll send, if a kid gets in trouble, we'll send him off to this 60-day uh, program, but he'll come back on day 20 because the alternative program's full. And so they're not even finishing the program. So either the program doesn't work and does it doesn't matter if they finish it or not, or it could potentially work, but they're not getting the opportunity for these students to finish it. We need to make sure that they, the high schools, especially the high schools, have uh, the support that they need and know that we're going to back educators and try to work with parents to get everybody on the same page to stop these issues that we're having here. Again, this morning, we're talking to those who are running for the Rutherford County School Board in the contested seats of Zone 7 and Zone 3. And our guest today from Zone 7, Francis Rosellis and uh, Cindy Daniel was invited but is not here this morning. From Zone 3, Jason Scales and Caleb Tidwell. Well, we covered bullying, we covered school zones, so I guess we'll ask a few more questions that are text questions here. 
And this next question, it deals with Oakland High School, Smyrna High School, Laverne, Blackman, and Riverdale. And it asked the question, and we kind of covered a little of this, are any of the candidates for the proposed additions at Riverdale, Oakland, Smyrna, Laverne, and Blackman High Schools that follow into year 2024? This is Jason. I am uh, for those uh, the expansion there. I've had the opportunity to particularly uh, tour the schools that are going to be impacted by the kids that are in my zone. Riverdale is in much need of this expansion there. If you look at the condition of that school, I think environment has a lot to do that makes it conducive for success of what goes on in the building. And I think upgrading those uh, buildings, I know it's a cost to it, it's, it's tremendous. But I am a big proponent of seeing those, all those expanded, uh, expansions happen. Right. Yeah, I think that we, we can't uh, dodge what's the, the growth that's happening, especially for our high schools, as Caleb did well. Um, we can't dodge that. We have to, we're going to have to make these expansions, and it's cheaper to do additions. It's more financial makes more financial sense to do the additions and add on and do renovations than it does to build new high schools, find new land, especially in the environment that we're in currently. So I think it would be very useful. I do think we need to also make sure that we are looking – I mean, we're running – we're running for our zones, right? Zone three, zone seven uh, here today, but we're actually representing all of Rutherford County. So when we come to terms to make decisions, we need to be looking at the growth in all of those uh, schools and figuring out which one doesn't make sense for just me in my zone, but which one makes sense for the entire Rutherford County system. I'm not sure that um, that was a taken into account as much as it could have been because I know we have a lot of growth on the north side of the county and that's not to say we you know we're not for the expansions here but we need to do the things that make sense we've already seen them do things that make don't make sense with the zoning we don't want to repeat that behavior in a different subject and this is Francis again um I believe I agree with expansions. What I do not agree with is in about how the it was at task with the school board members to prioritize the schools to get the funding. And so that what that created is just having to have because it's an elected position, we're having to smooth with each other so that our schools will get the funding that they needed. And so right now, the three schools that are getting the funding are Oakland, Riverdale, and Smyrna. But that also leaves it behind the Laverne High School and Blackman. In the north side right now, there's been 11,000 permits that have been pulled. And so how is that fair to the other two schools if we're not getting the funding for all? So yes, everyone agrees that we are for the additions. What we need to do as a board and when we come in, in, in starting in September is to address the need to fund all five schools not just one not two not three all five all five schools need to be the priority and that's going to take hard work for the board members to stand firm and to say you know we need to go back to the decisions makers who are going to approve the proposal and said the need is for the five schools you know it's interesting out of the questions we've been asking this morning a lot of the questions that were emailed to us are similar in nature the the circumstance the substance of the question they're a lot the same and those same questions all deal with the growth of the system the zoning changes uh, some deal with bullying um, but it seems like overall the growth of the system appears to be the biggest concern of those in the community and you know each of you have kind of answered the question about growth about adding on to the schools but you know we've heard those who are with the county school board talk about in the past a need really almost a need for a new high school every year and there's really almost a need for adding a new middle school every year 
But how in the world are we going to fund things like that in the years to come? Because we are growing at, at a record pace. So I'm going to jump in and really quickly and say that this is my platform. I am running on addressing the rezoning issues. Unfortunately, my opponent is not here to talk about what she's running on, but this is what I'm running. I'm running because impact in my subdivision. So even though I am not elected official today, I am working to address that. I am meeting with our county commissioners that are the candidates in the forum because it's an open season for that. And I'm also meeting with the mayoral candidates that are running. And that is what I'm running, that's what I'm meeting with them to talk about the growth. What are the plans and proposals to address the growth in our current situation with our committee? All right, like, I'm gonna repeat, this all over again our county is the fourth largest district this year alone in the 2022 and 2023 we're having 2,000 new students students coming in for the um, to our district not only that but the cost of inflation has also driven up the cost of a new um, high school to get a new school up and running it's going to cost us about a hundred and thirty million dollars i believe if, if it was a quote that i got the other day so it's going to require funding where is that funding going to come from right and so we need solutions and so that's why i am meeting with them today so that i can hear their proposal and the plan to say oh that's let's work together to find a creative way to address it so that we can finally do something about the growth because there's got to be funding that comes from that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but we only have about a minute and a half left. So now, did you guys want to comment anything else on the growth? Because there was one more question here that I do think is an important question that we should address. You can go with the other question. The the other question, it, it talks about, do we have a teacher per number student shortage? In other words, this parent, it looks like they feel like the classrooms are overpopulated by students to the actual teacher ratio. So what do y'all think about the teacher situation? Do we have enough teachers? Do we need to hire more? How are we gonna do that? Uh, well, I'm sorry, uh, Caleb did well here. Um, it, so there are laws and the amount of students that can be uh, with one teacher. So I, d- I don't think that we are dealing with overpopulation. We're just doing with crowding. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough space in the schools. We don't have enough room for the growth that we're having. It, it, growth keeps coming up because it is an issue and it is something that, I mean, it's going to answer a lot of questions. It's going to help with the budget. It's going to help with retaining teachers because, um, and, and, you know, some of the other issues that we got going on here at the school board. So uh, how we deal with growth, I think it's going to be conversations with the county commissioners and with the county mayor and figuring out how we can get a break, a pause on the growth somehow. Because be, as more students come into this, we had 16,000 students in the past 10 years. That's that's literally a new high school each year. We we can't keep up with that at that rate, especially with the way the cost of adding all these additions are. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? we got to figure out a way to just get a break on that growth. And this is Jason. We do have to creatively manage that growth. But you mentioned uh, teacher um, ratio there. We, we do have a teacher shortage. I mean, there's morale. You look at the latest um, recruiting thing they had and the number of people that 